Hello, and welcome to More to My Story, a Baker Tilly podcast, where we get to know the people behind the work at Baker Tilly. If you think accountants, auditors, and financial consultants are always stuck in front of Excel spreadsheets, you're in for a surprise. Our team members have unique passions and interests that keep them engaged in their communities and amplify the energy they bring to our firm. My name is Eric Factor, and I'm a senior tax associate at Baker Tilly. And I'm Dan Belfiore, the tax manager at Baker Tilly. We are here to connect, learn, and inspire. Now, for tomorrow. This is more to my story. Hello, everyone, and welcome to more to my story. Today's guest is Rob Eiler. Rob is an audit senior manager out of Baker Tilly San Diego office. He has two bachelor's degrees, one in business administration and one in accounting from the University of Redlands. Robert holds many passions, including auditing, as well as health and wellness, something all of us can learn from. Rob, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast with us. Thanks for joining. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Rob, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started at Baker Tilly and the path that got you here? Yeah, for sure. Well, my path has involved many swivels, right turns, left turns, Um, (laughs) U-turns. I graduated from Redlands in 2011, Um, had a couple jobs. I was actually at RSM for seven years, and I uh, had left RSM in uh, February of this year. And as a part of leaving, I was actually going to go all in on uh, my health and wellness company. Um, While being at RSM, I helped to kind of initiate and um, innovate their entire health and well-being plan. Um, But as a part of me going solo, I had uh, actually taken an interview with Baker Tilly and uh, met with some folks over here. And it was what was awesome was I got to come in and still be in the audit practice. And I also get to help uh, innovate and move forward a lot of their health and well-being strategies. So it's great for me because I get to kind of have my cake and eat it too, which I, I prefer and enjoy. <laughs> so Rob, you mentioned about you work with mental health a lot. And how is that something that you kind of decided you want to dedicate your time to? Yeah, well, it's something I've really dedicated my life to. I've felt the effects of suboptimal mental health on my body, mind, spirit. I actually grew up with depression and dyslexia and OCD and anxiety. I felt like I was just kind of inherently molded not to be uh, a happy person. So it's taken a lot of work uh, on myself, which relates to exercise and meditating and journaling and eating the proper foods to really come to this space where I've been able to optimize my mental health. So growing up and dealing with mental health issues, uh, I really took it upon myself to not only heal some of the uh, things that I dealt with, but also want to expand that and and help others um, as well. I've also dealt with uh, substance abuse issues relating to stimulants since college, and I've been sober for two and a half years. And uh, as a part of that, you know, I I needed those, I thought (laughs) I needed those to focus, to turn my computer on, to talk to people, to exercise, to move my body. And I really just felt disconnected from the human experience. And so um, actually at the previous firm I was at, I had taken a sabbatical. I took two and a half months off. I traveled, I taught yoga, and I really just started to work on myself. And as a part of that, um, coming back, I wanted to dedicate my time to optimizing the mental health of others as well, because I realized that in this profession, um, it can be difficult to, to stay grounded and to stay focused um, on what we need to. So that's really where the passion came from is because I've dealt with it from uh, dealt with issues from it from an early age, because I heard something once where we were born perfect, right? Like we're already good. And I think what happens is the world just 
just pushes all this stuff onto us and we start to accumulate all this baggage. And I think now it's just a matter of kind of uh, eliminating that baggage and moving it from us so that we can move more freer. And so once I uh, came across that and started healing myself, it became very clear that this is something that I want to continue doing for the masses. You know, I think I'm put here to educate, elevate, and liberate the body and mind of the masses through speaking, through coaching, through teaching. And the only way to really understand how to do that is by going through it myself. I think that's pretty noble because I think all of us, a lot of us all have our own anxieties and stresses and it definitely in accounting, I've heard horror stories of people who have let it get to them. So it's really good that you're able to prioritize mental health as you kind of like go through your life, your, your daily life, how does your commitment to mental health show up? Like, what do you do throughout the day that helps with your own mental health? Well, number one, I breathe <laughs> deeply and often. Uh, I'm in uh, yoga teacher training right now for this 300 hour advanced training. One of the things that we talked about was when you can elongate your breath, uh, you actually extend your life, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. So it really shows up every second of my waking hours, right? It shows up in the food I eat, the people I choose to hang around, the applications I choose to give my attention to the things I choose to watch and the activities that I really choose to spend my energy on. I wake up, I, uh, I meditate, I, I drink uh, water with like a pinch of lemon and some sea salt. I exercise, I stay off my phone for the first 30 minutes, with I, which I think is absolutely critical um, because when you check your phone and you see that the sky is falling and the world is ending, um, you immediately give up your power and your sovereignty to that device. So those first 30 minutes, your brain is actually the most open to uh, any type of content or any type of uh, things that you observe. And so instead of grabbing for my phone, I'll take out a pen and paper and I'll write down three things I'm grateful for. I think this gratitude practice has single-handedly changed the trajectory of my life because where your attention goes, your energy flows. So if I wake up in the morning and I check the phone and look at all this news and seeing how, like I just said, the sky is falling, the world is ending. That's where my mind, my body, my energy is going to go. Whereas if I write down three things that I'm grateful for, um, that starts to continue to optimize my life. And in addition, I'm now in a gratitude group with some of my best friends where we will all write three things that we're grateful for in the morning. So the first thing I see then when I turn my phone on or 30 minutes after I wake up is not only what I'm grateful for, but what all my best friends are grateful for too. And what that does for your mind literally rewires the neural pathways in your brain to start focusing on what's going right instead of what's focusing on what's going wrong. Because we think 60,000 thoughts a day and 90% of those thoughts, they're negative. So we've got to consciously and relentlessly uh, look for the things that are going right in order to optimize our mental health. Um, I think the lines get blurred when it comes to personal and professional, right? We talk about work-life balance. I don't, I don't think there's any such thing as work-life balance. I think it's really work-life integration because we're all working remotely. We tend to integrate our, our work and our home life as well. And you, you say you don't think there's any uh, work-life balance, but there is still you know, a limited amount of time in the day. So how do you find that you're able to still work, but create time for other interests. And is there anything that Baker Tilly does that helps you in, in doing this? Yeah. Um, well, number one, I think that we're all given 24 hours in a day. We're blessed with this. When someone tells me they don't have time to do something, I'm immediately like, no, you have time. It's just not a higher priority on your list, which is fine, but let's just be honest. Um, one of the ways I do that is I try to minimize my time mindlessly scrolling through Instagram or 
TV or other devices. And I think these are great entertaining tools, but they should be used intentionally and, and with awareness. And I think the firm supports me in, in a lot of ways, which is one of the main reasons why I came here as well. The first one is unlimited PTO. You know, I'm going to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons next week, and they had no issue with it. And I was actually trying to issue an audit report the other day. And I told the partner and I thought he was immediately going to say, like, no, this needs to be done during that time. And he actually uh, was super excited and was like, oh, where are you going? That's amazing. So I think really just having that, that tone at the top, understanding that we do need time to disconnect uh, is really important. And then the other thing I would say is when you do go on PTO or when I do go on PTO, I make it a point to unplug. I don't check email. I don't uh, check back into work because so there's studies that show that you get the most from your time off when you're not checking emails and, and being uh, in work mode. I think that human beings are not wired to be constantly wired. You know, we need time to disconnect. We need time to take a break. And this is what I love about uh, Baker Tilly, in addition to the, the disconnect days, right? We get a day once a month, which I think is awesome. I think some of the big four do full weeks of breaks, but I think that's a, that's a lot, right? That like clumps everything up into one week, whereas we kind of stretch it out day, uh, a day every month, which I think uh, really helps to extend and optimize our well-being. Yeah, and just to clarify a couple of things you said there, so the, the external users, you know, they, they have an idea of what we're talking about. Baker Tilly offers an unlimited paid time off policy, which means we don't accrue time. It's just, you know, you need a day, you take a day. Um, also, disconnect days, at least one day a month, the firm gives us an additional day to take off for the whole firm to say, hey, we're all going to disconnect on this one day uh, just to make sure people are doing what's right and disconnecting. Yes, 100%. And when we do get that day, take that day. Those things are so important. I think people think that rest is the opposite of work, uh, but it's not. I think that rest is the same coin, the, uh, the other side of the coin to work, right? You have work on one side, rest on the other. I think we need to be able to rest in order to be able to come back and work harder. Because if you just continue grinding and not sleeping and not taking any vacation, uh, we're actually not as intelligent and not as cognitively able to perform our tasks um, if we didn't take that rest. Um, I'm also a big proponent of meditation. That's something I do every single day. I meditate two times a day, 20 minutes each sitting. Um, now it doesn't, if you're just starting out, right, it doesn't need to be 20 minutes. It can be five minutes. I think that's, that's how I started out, but that really helps me staying grounded and stay focused throughout the day. Um, especially as I'm working on clients, you have seven different casewares open, you're working on five different financials. Uh, it can be a lot. And so what I've noticed with meditation is, um, it's allowed me to really ground down and be aware of what I'm feeling. Um, I think they, they say that mindfulness is the, is the gap between a stimulus and then the response to that stimulus. Um, so what I feel like meditation does is, is it allows me to expand that gap so that I can respond to situations instead of just be reactive. And you're, you're also a senior manager. So like you use all this to help your own self with your own mental health, but as a senior manager and with people underneath you, is there any way you can empower the other people to help prioritize their own mental health? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, well, number one, I, I kind of, I take it upon myself to really make sure that my team feels supported. I think that's number one. So um, you know, people are taking PTO. I'm not blowing their inbox up with emails about how they need to do all these things. 
I think that's number one. And then number two is really just checking in with them as people, right? Not, not like, hey, where are we at in this file? But like, hey, how are you feeling today? Because I think a lot of times conflicts arise uh, not because the person's a poor performer, but really just because they're going through some stuff that we might not necessarily even be privy to um, outside of work. Because the fact of the matter is, I think that everyone in this world is going through something. And so I think it's important to approach that um, with kindness and with compassion. And as we do that, we allow ourselves to not only optimize the relationship we have with that person, but I think it also helps to optimize our work, both kind of on and off the field by developing relationships. So that, you know, that helps with uh, helping others prioritize and seek mental health, but do you have any other tips for them when somebody is trying to work and, and they really are, you know, just dealing with a lot of anxieties? Do you have any other, you know, specific tips to help them? Oh yeah, for sure. I, talk to someone. I think talking to someone is huge. I've been told that uh, there's a quote once I read that they said that social connection is the greatest predictor of long-term happiness. So whether that's, you know, spending at least two hours a week connecting with someone, going to get dinner, even Zoom calls, or even reaching out to a therapist. I mean, I'd say the number one thing for me um, over the last two years has been really working with a therapist. There's been, you know, a job change. I had gotten out of a relationship. I moved. There's a lot of uh, actions and situations that really shook me at my foundation. And I think therapies really helped me work through those with during these very challenging times. So I know we have like benefits that offer therapy. We also have Ginger, which is the app, which I've heard does wonders for people to just talk to someone. And the reason why is because I think the therapist provides really a neutral perspective that's necessary for us to observe ourselves clearly, right? But imagine just talking to yourself every day instead of to a therapist, right? Like that mind chatter. And as we do that, I think we're only adding more neuroses, more judgment, more confusion on top of what's already there. So us sitting in a therapy session with ourselves isn't going to help us reach greater clarity. It's just going to help us get more worked up. So we all need somebody to talk to. We need a tool outside of our minds to transform the habits of the mind. And that's why I think uh, therapy is such an awesome tool uh, to add to anybody's toolkit. And that was hard for me right at the beginning because I'm naturally introverted. I played football through college. You get hurt. There's an issue at school. They're like, throw some dirt on it and then get back in the game, right? Shove, shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. And it's that's that's not the play. I think that only causes more issues uh, in the long run. And so that's taken a lot of unraveling, still unraveling uh, in order to really get clear and uh, heal mental health. Very well said, Rob, I think having people like you in a, in a firm, especially any firm, but especially one this size is extremely important. Mental health still has a negative uh, stigma behind around it. Unfortunately, I do think as a society, we've and especially as a firm, we've gotten better at tackling these challenges. Um, and the firm's doing stuff to empower you to be able to get the message out there and become a greater proponent of mental health. Um, they've given you a platform to host seminars pertaining to mental health and how you tackle this, these challenges. Can you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I think the, one of the main reasons that you know, I chose to come to Baker Tilly because I got to not just work in audit, but I get to also help with optimizing the well-being of the entire company. Um, so we had like break the mold where we got to submit ideas and I had submitted some ideas. And one of the things that we had just rolled out is a national kind of 
it's a stress management course on how to really just optimize your mental health and deal with burnout and how to implement daily practices in order just to help us feel better while our computers are closed and while our computers are open as well. And I also just recorded a meditation course for all of our new hires that they'll be uh, able to access, I think, within the next couple of weeks. And as far as upcoming seminars, I'm working with learning on developing another course for all of our new managers. So I know when you go from like a senior to a manager, um, there's a lot more expectations and a lot more challenges and there's a lot more things that life throws at you. And so I think one of my main intentions here is not only to understand, you know, how can I be a good manager um, at the firm, but like, how can I manage and handle everything in my life, like relationships, uh, eating the right foods, the job, right? It's not just like being good at your job. I used to just think if I'm just good at my job, that's all. And I would push away, you know, people that love me. because it's like, no, I'm just going to work. This is what it's about. And I realized over the years, it's, it's more about balance, right? It's not, um, it's not all about what we do when our computers are open. It's also about how we treat people and what we do when our computers are closed. And so that's some of the things that I intend to really put out there through a lot of this content that I'm working with Baker Tilly on creating. That's great, Rob. And I just wanted to clarify one thing you discussed in that, what breaking the mold is. Now, breaking the mold is a recent Baker Tilly idea. Essentially, what Baker Tilly is trying to do is break the mold of public accounting, taking a direct aim at the demands of the career, not the integrity of the profession that we represent, right? So this means we're breaking down barriers and eliminating obstacles, uh, redefining the work week, uh, things like that. Baker Tilly is empowering its staff, its seniors, its managers, its senior managers, and so on and so forth to find a better way to do the job we do every day. And uh, that is something Rob exemplifies every day. So I just wanted to clarify that point. No, I appreciate that. And and I love that. And I think this thing is so important when I had interviewed with Ahmed uh, Hamdi and when he told me about breaking the mold, I was like, oh my gosh, like th- this is it. Because I think in the accounting profession, it can be uh, extremely stressful and we're so focused on what they call busy season. I think we're changing the name to peak season, which I absolutely love because I think words are power and uh, and that's a whole nother topic. Um, But I think it's really important, especially these days uh, with the job market. And I think we can also use it as a huge uh, recruiting tool to get people in here, just showing them that we not only care about them on the field, but we care about them off the field as well. So Rob, um, you mentioned you played football in college and I did as well. So a lot we have a lot of commonality there. Um, You did mention before some of the negative stigmas that kind of um, float around college sports and that, you know, you get hurt, you rub a little dirt on it. Trust me, I lived it. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of improvement that can be made in those spheres, but I will say college sports offered me a whole host of life lessons. And um, I don't, I definitely, definitely would not be the person I am today without playing college football. And I'm sure you feel similarly. Um, Can you just discuss or talk about some lessons you learned there that you carried with you today? Yeah, 100%. I, number one, I I think it's where my work ethic came from. Like I, I lived in the gym. I almost liked being in the gym more than I liked playing the games. (laughs) And so uh, I think that's where my work ethic was really created, molded and sharpened. Uh, One of the other main things that football taught me is that you can be great at what you do individually and you can still lose a game, right? You could score seven touchdowns and the other team scored eight and you still lose. So what it really taught me is about teamwork and and how to work well with others, how to grind, how to hustle and how to kind of reach what 
what I want. And more importantly, Inga taught me that we don't always get what we want, uh, but it's important to work hard and put us in a solid position for a positive outcome. I think I actually just read, I'm reading the Will Smith uh, biography. And one of the things he said, he said, it's respectable to lose to the universe. It's a tragedy to lose to yourself. And so I think we've always got to work hard to put us in a situation to succeed and then let it, uh, let it work itself out from there. I think he used uh, a uh, example with Mike Tyson. He was like, you can go in the ring with Mike Tyson and you can get knocked down in 15 seconds. Scenario one is you worked hard, you ate all the right foods, you exercised, you went in and got knocked out. It's respectable. Uh, scenario two is you didn't eat the right foods. You slacked off. You didn't work out. You ate chocolate chip cookies every night. You didn't sleep properly and you got knocked out in 15 seconds. So then it's, it's not respectable, right? Because it's you and the universe versus you instead of you versus the universe. So I just think it, it really taught me to, to, uh, work hard and put myself in a position and then, uh, let a higher power figure it out from there. That's uh, really commendable. I, I love that example with Mike Tyson, because I mean, it really shows, you know, if you really try and put it on the effort and you still fail, you know, it's just, that's the way it goes. You know, you couldn't have done anything better. And maybe next time you'll last, you know, 16 seconds and last a little longer each time. We found out, you know, you and a few friends were on the, the Price is Right, which we, we thought was awesome. Can you like tell us the, the story about that? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, so we, uh, we all carpooled up to LA and I thought, let me tell you a bit of a backstory. We actually Googled how to get on the prices, right? We must have spent hours researching this. And essentially what it said was you have one man to impress. His name is Stan. I think he still works there. He's like the director. He picks who gets to go on and you got to be like obnoxiously energetic. So I'm talking about like, I'd almost borderline like annoying. So we get in there and we're making a ton of noise and just being annoying. People are like, what are these people doing? And we knew that if we made enough noise, at least one person was going to get on. And so we did all that and we get to sit down. And one of the first persons called on uh, the first thing to bid was my best friend that was sitting right next to me. And so he got to go on. He bet on a TV. Uh, he won the TV. So then he got to do the game. And on the game, he had 10 grand and he could have walked away with 10 grand. And uh, that probably would have paid for all the taxes. And he decided to go for 100 grand and he lost it all. But he got to spin the wheel and he spun the wheel. He got to go to the showcase showdown. He won the showcase showdown and we got to dogpile him on stage next to Drew Carey as his wife was crying in her brand new car. It was a, it was a dope experience. I'd say one of the top five experiences of my life. Um, little did he know he had to pay taxes on all that. So he could have walked away with the 10 grand and put that towards the taxes. But regardless, um, it was it was a fun time. That is so cool. I mean, yeah, you could have, you know, walked away, but how many people can say they're on the, the showcase showdown? That's, that's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So this next section we're going to transition to is these little getting to know you questions, little short answer, fun little questions. So first off to start, if you can go to dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? It would be Bob Marley because he completely revolutionized music and he's brought so much love into this chaotic world. And I would just want to thank him for the positive impact his life's work, his messaging and his music has had on my life. It's a good answer. I mean, he really not only, like you said, had a lot of good messaging, but like his bass lines and the, the music, um, it's just fantastic to listen to. Just, you know, put it on vibe out. So next question. A little different, but what is your most hated household chore? 
all household chores, <laughs> but especially changing the sheets. I'm not good at changing the sheets and, and tucking them into those tight corners and uh, folding my folding. I fold a blanket and it's like uh, the corners are not aligned. So, yeah, <laughs> I'd say those. Two for I, sure. that, that's that's good. I blankets. I'm OK with. I hate the fitted sheets, though. That's the worst. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, in this uh, section, what's one word you'd use to describe yourself? I would say ambitious. And I think that's it's been a two, a double-edged sword for me. Cause on one side, the ambition has allowed me to achieve and perform and get to where I want to be. But on the flip side, I think that at times uh it can it can take control of me. And so I think that's where uh the meditation comes in and getting still um to allow me to not be driven so fully by ambition and to also take a step back to see the bigger picture. All right, Rob, we're going to transition again into a little more rapid fire style questions. Keep the answer short and brief. Um, so we're going to start with speaking of the prices, right? Bob Barker or Drew Carey? Well, I like Bob Barker better, but we actually we went and uh, dogpiled Drew Carey. So. so you're a little biased. <laughs> that's OK. Oh, and there's a uh, hint for you. The reason why he always stays so fresh and clean when he's up there, he has A.C., following him wherever he walks. My buddy was like, he was trying to stay as close to him as possible so that he can actually get AC because it's actually hot everywhere else. But yeah, fun fact. That's that's incredible. <laughs> I, I wish I had that. I'm no, I'm no yoga expert, but I'm sure somebody will, listening will be. Um, so they'll know your answer much better than I will. But do you have a favorite style of yoga? Yeah, well, I teach uh, many different styles, but I recently got certified to teach yin yoga, which is a lot more restorative. You're holding postures for a minute up to 10 minutes. And I really like that because it's allowed me to slow down. I think, again, with being driven and being so ambitious, I like to go and do and perform and lift weights. Um, so this style of yoga has taught me to slow down. And I think in general, it's really hard for the world to slow down. So I think this transformative practice can really be leveraged and, and help the entire world. As an ex-football player, do you have a favorite professional football team? Chargers. Really? Bolt up, baby. Now, I have to ask you, were you a fan before they moved? Oh, 100%. I'm from San Diego, so. And how has uh, the move affected you? Were you upset about it? Well, I was living in Huntington Beach at the time, so I was actually closer to them at the Home Depot Center when they moved. Um, yeah, I'd like them to come back, I'd say. I mean, I went to a game one time, and they had a blimp. It was them versus the Rams, and it said, go home. We don't want you. So I was like, we don't want to be here either. So. <laughs> Your favorite book? My favorite book. Oh, my top favorite book. Mm. I actually just read a book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And he talks about how uh, individuals and companies, they all know what they do. Uh, they know how to do it, but they typically don't know or don't know how to articulate why they do something. And so when we start with the why, why we're actually doing something, our intention for speaking or coaching or, or working or whatever that might be, then we can get real clear. And I think that allows for us to uh, really be authentic in every action that we perform, that we say, that we do. All right, Rob, last but not least, we've touched on a lot of very important topics today. However, this might be the most important. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think a hot dog, when you say hot dog, it, it's got to be in a bun. So that's a hot dog. <laughs> Good answer. Rob, you were a fantastic guest, and we really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you. 
That brings us to the end of this episode of More to My Story. I'm Eric Factor. I'm Dan Belfiore. Thanks for listening as we discover the stories of our team members, connect, learn, and inspire. Now for tomorrow.